Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. So we see that we're reading from John chapter 4, and it starts us off uh, saying that he left Judea and in Galilee. So Jesus was on his way to Galilee, and and usually there's there's a couple routes. Um, Whenever we're traveling, usually we want to take the route that's the fastest, especially if we're traveling by, uh, you know, by car. We want to take the closest route possible, the quickest route po- possible. We just went up to Wisconsin last week, and I am thankful for airplanes because an 18-hour drive turned into a two-hour flight. And so I am thankful for quick uh, passages and quick journeys. But, but anyway, with that being said... Jesus was on his way to Galilee, and there was, there was two forms of, of ways going to Galilee. And one of those forms was uh, going through Samaria. Samaria was in between Judea and Galilee, and that was the only direct route. Now, like I said, there was two. Now, the second one, however, uh, the, the Jews would usually take around, the, around Samaria. But as we see, clearly Jesus decided that he must go through Samaria, not, not by choice, but because Scripture tells us that he needed to go there. So we see that uh, the, the oldest city was Sakar. So Sakar is one of the oldest cities in Palestine and was formerly known as Shechem. It was at this place where uh, Joshua assembled the people before his death, and here they renewed their covenant with the Lord. It was also at this place after the death of Gideon that this place became a location of idolatrous worship. And so whenever I was digging up and doing some research, I really thought that was super interesting how a place of of dedication and and renewing that of a covenant of the Lord, a couple generations later, it became a place of idolatrous worship. How quickly the tides can turn. It was in this region... And this is where we start getting into the more cultural aspect of things and the more uh, the, the racial side of things. It was in this region that the Jews married Gentiles. And because of this, the Jews despised those Samaritans. It was a, it was a, a culture shock. The, the Jewish culture says that you should marry within the Jewish religion, within the Jewish race. And so whenever something like that was deviated from, from that plan, they absolutely despised those people because the Gentiles, they're, they're not the people of the Lord. They're not, you know, they're not the chosen people. And so they despised them. And so now with that foundation laid, I can start talking about the scriptures. So we see, and, I, and I'm going to split it up into three different forms. So the first point is this, Jesus as the man. Jesus as the man. And this is where our story begins. Scripture tells us that it was the sixth hour, also known as noontime. A woman of Samaria comes to the well and Jesus says, give me to drink. It was in the heat of the day and Jesus was clearly weary and thirsty from his journey. And 
And it was super, in it's super interesting that not only is Jesus 100% God, but he is 100% man. And in this very moment, it's the humanity aspect. He feels what we feel. He felt what we felt. He felt thirsty. He felt tired. And so that's why he asked to drink. But in that request of asking of water, in that very moment, Jesus crossed multiple boundaries. He crossed the boundary of nationality. He crossed the boundary of culture. Not only did he cross those, he crossed the boundary of religion, gender, and tradition. And I, I, and I want to take this moment to say this right here. He, no matter what your background is, he is willing to cross all boundaries to reach you. Jesus does not care what country you were born in or what region you are from. You can be from Africa or South America, black, brown, white. You can be rich or poor, born in a shack or hospital, male or female. Does not matter your political affiliation. Jesus does not care about that. And Jesus did not die on the cross just so that some people could be saved. But Jesus died for all, for all. He paid it all on Calvary for us so that whosoever will can come. And so in that very moment, Jesus just broke that boundary. He broke those traditional ideas of Jews hating the Samaritans because Jesus cares about all. And so we continue to read in verse 9 and it says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And in that very moment... That Samaritan woman was an absolute shock that a Jew, a Jewish man would ask her for water. And the thing to pay attention here is that the fact that she clearly didn't deny the request. She didn't say, no, 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 I, I can't give you to drink. She didn't do that. But she's just in complete shock. She was focused on the fact that, that the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. And that there was hostility with one another. And so let's see how Jesus responds. In verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of, of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so we see that there's a, a back and forth conversation going on between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And it starts off with Jesus saying, lady, if you only knew the gift of God and who is he that is asking to give me to drink. And in this very moment, he says, the gift of God. We see that Jesus is talking clearly about himself. Because Jesus is the gift of God. He is that salvation to that woman. And so he's saying, Ma'am, if you only understand that I am salvation, that I am that gift of God. And Jesus is clearly salvation to all mankind, right? We, we all understand this. But in that very moment, 
he's speaking to that woman, the Samaritan woman. And he is that salvation to that woman. So Jesus is that salvation. But, but if she only understood who he was. But because in that moment, she only sees just Jesus, the man. She only just sees this Jewish man. She doesn't understand and comprehend what is happening in that very moment. Because we're going we're gonna to see, we're going to see that Jesus is taking her through a journey of enlightenment, of, of revelation of who Jesus is. And so if only she understood who he was. And so Jesus continues to talk. And he begins to talk about this living water. And she responds back by saying, sir, you have nothing to draw. She is still stuck on the physical. She is still stuck on the earthly. And so she, she's saying, you have nothing to, to, to grab. You don't, you don't have anything to draw. You don't have a bucket that's deep enough to, uh, for the well. How are you planning to give me living water? And it's nat naturally so. How, if you don't see someone, you know, saying, hey, have some water. Have some of this living water. And they don't even have a water bottle. It's just like, okay, what's going on here? Is this person kind of crazy or what's going on? Uh, and so then she asked, are you greater than our father Jacob? And so now she's talking about, you know, past generationals. You know, are you greater than the father Jacob? Who is the one that gave us this well? Who is the one that dedicated this area? Are you better than him? And that's when Jesus responds back and says, see, this is, this is the thing. If you drink from this well, you will thirst again again he's speaking to that physicality that she's still seeing the, the physical world but the water that I can provide you won't thirst ever again and that the water that I provide will be a well that springs into everlasting life and Jesus is is showing her that he can provide something that is not earthly now, I'm here to remind you guys that this world can offer so many things. They can offer a, a momentary, temporary fulfillment. But Jesus can fulfill for eternity, for everlasting life. No matter what this world can offer, no matter what the devil may say or, or try to convince you, it doesn't compare to what Jesus has for you. Amen. And so Jesus is showing her that he can provide something that is not earthly. And, and how many know in this place today that this, like I said, the things of this world can only fulfill for just a little while. And it will only be sufficient for just a small amount of time. But the things that God provides will be everlasting salvation. It will last forever and for eternity. I'm here to remind each and every one of you in here today that my God can provide salvation for each and every one of y'all. My God can provide peace that passes all understanding. If you have a situation going on in your life, if you're having family problems or work problems and you need peace, I'm here to tell you that my God is the peace that passes all understanding. If you've been having, if you've had past hurt and, 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 you, and you have problems with loving, well, I'm here to tell you that my God is that unconditional love. He is love. If you're dealing with suffering and pain, my God can heal you of that pain and suffering. Amen. And I'm thankful for a God that just doesn't care about just the, the physical world, but he cares about the eternal world as well, where we will be able to serve him and praise him for eternity. Amen. Amen. So we continue on with verse 15. And the woman saith unto him, sir, give 
me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast is not thy husband. And that sayest thou truly. And it starts getting a little bit uncomfortable. This conversation starts getting a little bit uncomfortable. She responds like any normal human being would have. If you have heard of a place where you could drink this everlasting water and never thirst again, wouldn't you want to know where it's at? Man, I want to know where this everlasting water is. If I don't ever have to take a drink of, of water ever again, I will totally go to that place. Show me right now. Take me. And, and, and this is where Jesus changes the conversation a little bit. This is where Jesus changes gears. Because he does not respond to that. Jesus begins to show the supernatural behind who he is. So he asks her, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman replies and says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you, you know what, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you've had five. And the one that you're with right now isn't your, your husband either. And just like that, Jesus supernaturally revealed to the woman information. Supernatural information. Detailed information about her past and present relationships, her past and present conditions. And Jesus here is leading her down a path and slowly showing her who he really is. And that she can perceive that this is ultimately the Christ, that this is ultimately the Messiah. And it's, that's exactly what happened with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You know, she, she comes face to face. She comes face to face with this, with this Jesus, this, this man, this, obviously we know this Messiah. And, and what happens is whenever we come face to face with this, with our Savior, sometimes we have to deal with the harshness and the sins that we have in our life. We have to face the, our current conditions of who we are as man because ultimately we are sinful. We are innately sinful. And so we have to face that reality. And this is what, exactly what happened to the woman of the well, the Samaritan woman. And, and yes, it can become uncomfortable. That moment can become very uncomfortable. But let me, let me show you an example of, of something. Whenever you dig up gold... It doesn't just come out straight as gold. It, it's all muddied and, and it's, it's in the ore and, and it needs to be refined and it needs to be put under the fire. It needs to be put under the, pr the pressure. And that pressure makes something super precious. And so with that, we can be put under that pressure. Jesus, facing Jesus and him showing us our current condition. Yes, it may be feel uncomfortable. Yes, it may be, you know, feel that pressure. But ultimately, it's for our own good because something out of all of that will be something beautiful, something precious, something that God can use. And so those moments of refinement and those moments of hard times can make something so beautiful. And so Jesus here presents her current situation of sin before her. And as most people do, 
she shies away from it. And clearly she states she has no husband. I don't have a husband. I don't want to deal with that situation. I don't have a husband. Because she doesn't want to deal with the fact of what she has done in the past and is currently doing. And Jesus continues to press her by reading her dirty laundry, by reading her or showing the skeletons in the closet. And the thing about it is this. Jesus didn't do, do it so that she can embarrass her in that moment or uh, make her feel ashamed. But he did it so that she can see who Jesus really is. Because ultimately, we may have a situation in our life that you're like, what's going on? What's, what's happening? But in the midst of the storm, Jesus is there. So that he can show you, hey, I'm here. Walk with me. I got your hand. Walk with me. I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll do this together. And so we see that, that he's, he's, he's pressuring her not so that he can embarrass her or make her feel ashamed, but that he, he, she can see who he really is. And so now we come to my second point, and it's Jesus the prophet. Jesus the prophet. We see that he supernaturally revealed to her this information. And so now we see in verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me that the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And it becomes a little bit interesting because she asks, or she says, okay, I understand you are definitely a prophet. How could you have known? I've never met you before. You've revealed to me this information. And, and just like that, Jesus went from being just a man to being a prophet. And the woman acknowledged that Jesus was a prophet in the pattern of the Old Testament, saying, you know, a, a prophet in the Old Testament was to proclaim. He was, he was the voice of God. It, it, it had that supernatural uh, empowerment. And now that the woman, knowing that Jesus is a prophet, she asks him a question. She proposes to him a question respecting the, the proper place of worship. And, and in that time, this was a, a, a point of contention. This was a point where they would argue back and forth. And so she's asking this question of, and, and the point being a bit long matter of dispute between the Samaritans and the Jews. And this is where... I like to put myself in her shoes. Maybe she understands that this is a prophet. And so maybe she wanted to ask a theological question. Maybe she wanted to understand, okay, this man is a prophet. You know, let me ask him a good question. Maybe I can have the inside scoop so that I can tell people so that maybe I can seem a little bit smarter because I, I talked to this prophet. But this is, I think this is, this is my opinion. This is what I think happened. I think that she wanted to divert the conversation from the unpleasant topic of her current condition and her past condition. Maybe she said, okay, hold on, this is a prophet. Maybe I can distract them from the pressure. Maybe I can distract them from the unpleasant condition that I'm living in. Maybe I, maybe I can just distract them just a little bit so that he can forget. And so the conversation about her manner of life that was very unpleasant topic to her, as it always is unpleasant 
to sinners to talk about the lives in the necessity of needing God. I'm going to repeat that. It is always unpleasant to sinners to talk about their lives in the necessity of needing God. We often are so caught up in ourself, in our prideful self, that we will say, you know what? I may be struggling, but I don't need nobody. I don't need that man. I don't need my family. I don't need no God. And so that pride can get in, in the way. And, 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 and that maybe that's what she's, she's feeling in that moment. She's like, okay, okay, maybe I can distract them because I don't want to deal with, with, with needing somebody. I don't want to deal with needing help. And so she was glad to turn the conversation to something else. Because nothing is more common than for sinners to change the conversation when it begins to bear too hard upon their conscience. Our minds, they, we, whenever, whenever reality comes into play and you are face to face with who you are, our conscience can be too hard to, to bear that, that reality that's faced in front of us. I know I've done it and I'm guilty of it. Where I have personally not wanted to deal with the sinfulness of my life because, because in that moment it feels good. I'm, I'm being fulfilled. But, and it's too hard to face that reality. And like I said, I've done it. I've done it where I, I was in, my, in, in that current state where I was and I did not want to, to deal with that. Because it's so easy to distract ourselves with, our, with other questions. It's so easy to distract ourselves with the things that, that life has to offer. I don't know about you guys, but we live in the most distractful uh, moment in, our, in all of existence. We have our phones that literally all it takes is one click away and we'll be distracted for hours upon hours upon hours. And we don't even have to face the reality of what the Word of God is telling us. We don't want to face the reality of who we are and we, and we just don't want to change. So we distract ourselves with, and I'm not saying that going on your phone is bad or, or watching things. I'm not saying that's bad, but we use it as a crutch so that we don't have to face the reality of who we are and that Jesus wants to change us. And so we see Jesus turning the gears and shifting the conversation again. He starts shifting the conversation now from physical things, from earthly things to heavenly things. And now he says, verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so in that moment, he's like, okay, let me answer this question. Let me continue to reveal. Let me, let me take away those layers. And let me reveal to her who I am. And in that moment, Jesus pointed out that the hours coming were, were no geo, geographical location. No geographical location will be standard by which one is to worship. But the place of worship will be in spirit and in truth. This kingdom will be represented not by a place, but by an encounter with, with life giving power like we see in Acts 1 and verse 8. We see that Jesus reveals to her a major theological truth. That God is a spirit... And that is why we should worship him in spirit and in truth. Because God is without body and that he is omnipresent that we can worship him anywhere. And I am thankful today that it doesn't matter where I go that I can worship God. 
I'm not just confined to this church building and I'm thankful that we're able to come and worship God in this church building. I'm, su I'm super thankful to be able to worship with each and every one of you guys. But I'm also thankful that God isn't just confined to this building. I'm thankful that God, I can go home, turn on some worship music and I can feel the same presence and feel the same spirit in my home, in the car seat, uh, you know, around the world. Because people all over this world are feeling the same spirit that we feel in here. And so I'm thankful that God revealed to us through his word that we can worship God in spirit and in truth. And so we move on to my third and final point. And it's Jesus the Messiah. So we've gone from Jesus the man, Jesus the prophet, and now Jesus the Messiah. And verse 25, it says, The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. She's saying, okay, what you're saying is, I'm, I've heard some things in the past about this Messiah. And what you're saying is kind of clicking. And in verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I, thy that speak unto thee am he. And just like that, revelation comes into place. That Jesus is the Messiah. This is exactly where Jesus wanted to end this conversation. He wanted her to bring up the Messiah, the Christ, so that he could finally reveal to her who she was talking to that entire time. And Jesus tells her, I am that man that you speak of. And this is where it gets, like, this is a really cool moment in this, in this passage of Scripture. Because we understand the God of the Old Testament. We know the moment where Moses goes up to the, the burning bush. And, and he's having this encounter with God. And, and Moses is like, okay, I will go. But who will I say that has sent me? And the burning bush, God says, I am that I am. And just like that in the Old Testament, this moment comes into play. And if you were to translate the Greek here, Jesus told her, I am. He told her that I am the God of the Old Testament. Jesus told her right there in that very moment, I am that I am. The same God that Moses served, the same God that your, your past generation served, I am that God. And he revealed to her in that moment, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's an incredible moment. That Jesus would just reveal to this Samaritan woman that, that this is the God of the Old Testament. The God that took the Egyptians out or the, the Israelites out of, the, of Egypt. This is the same God speaking to her, having this encounter with her. And this was the first time in all of Scripture, in the New Testament, that he openly professed it. Not to Jewish rulers, not to other prophets, not to scholars of the word, but to this Samaritan woman. Just any ordinary person. He revealed to her this. 
And like I said, this statement alone connects Jesus to the God of the Old Testament. And every single word that was spoken in that conversation came to this very conclusion that Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah for all people. And I'm just coming to a close. If we can all stand to our feet. You know, so, some of us came into this place just, you know, check off our list. But I'm here to remind you that who is in this place. It's not just any ordinary man. It's not just any ordinary prophet. There are prophets out there. But this is the Messiah. The Messiah that can change our lives, that can change the trajectory of where we're going, that can change the trajectory of our journey. And that's exactly what he did to the Samaritan woman. And just like that, the woman in the well had an encounter with him. And we can have an encounter. I know we're, I'm excited to have a praise and worship service. And I know that the word is going to be brought. And I know that God can touch each and every one of our lives. And he can drastically change our lives. And whatever you're needing in this place, God can fulfill that. But the question is this, are we willing to take that step towards him? Are we willing to lay it all at the cross? And so this woman, this Samaritan woman, from that moment she realizes, I am talking to the Messiah. And she could have just went home. Forgot about it, but she decided to go into town and tell everybody about who Jesus was. And so the choice is not up to Jesus, but it, the choice is up to us. What are we going to do with the information that we have? What are we going to do with the good news? What are we going to do with the, with the, with the news and, and, and the information that Jesus is the Messiah? Are we just going to keep it to ourselves? Are we going to walk away just like the young rich ruler who had an encounter with Jesus? Jesus told him, hey... You have followed all the commandments. Sell all your stuff and come and follow me. And because he had a lot of stuff, he walked away from that conversation. He's like, my present condition, I can't. I can't get rid of all of that. But what we need to do is say, you know what? I have this baggage. I have my current condition. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Amen. And so we could just bow our heads. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.